The Carter Report presents Plain Talk with John Carter. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to The Carter Report. Today's program is entitled Plain Talk. You know why we're calling it Plain Talk? Because that's what people tell us they want. They want some plain talk. You're going to get it today. People have sent us questions from right around the circle of the globe. Your question could be answered today in Plain Talk. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter in Havana, Cuba. I'm standing here in Revolutionary Square. This great square is dedicated to the great communist revolution under Fidel that came to this country back 50, 60 years ago. This place is still undergoing a revolution. We've come to check out the reality of the situation. Freedom of speech is not allowed here still. Preaching the gospel out of doors is not allowed here still. Whatever you hear about reconciliation, nothing has really changed. We've been told we cannot run public campaigns in Cuba in any part of this world. We can run meetings in churches. That's allowed. So what are we going to do? We're going to support the people of God in this part of the world. We're going to step through those doors as God opens those doors. We're not going to come and cause a commotion and cause trouble to the people of God. We will work diligently and as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Stand with us in the preaching of the gospel, wherever it is, stand with us. Write to me, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at the address which is now appearing on the screen at Terrigal. And let us go forward for a mighty spiritual revolution as we take the gospel of Christ to the lost around the world as God opens the doors. This is John Carter in Revolutionary Square in Havana, Cuba, saying to you, God bless you and thank you for your support. What is speciesism? Well, that's an interesting concept. It comes from our friends, the evolutionists. And the evolutionists tell us that all the species, including the human race, go back to some little blob in a primordial mess in the ocean. And therefore, because we didn't come from the hand of God, man is no longer distinct and glorious. He's only one of so many species. Therefore, you're no better than a frog or a toad or an ant. I'm not buying it, friend. I don't believe in speciesism. I believe that we came from the hand of God and that man is made in the image of God. Is it ever permissible as a Christian to disobey the government? Yes, it is. When the government disobeys God, the Bible tells us it's more important to obey God than it is to obey men. Now, we believe the governments are ordained of God to bring about law and order. 
But the Bible says that in the last days, the governments of this world are going to become dictatorial, totalitarian systems, and they're going to enforce the mark of the beast. Let me read this to you. Out of the Apocalypse, Revelation chapter 13, it says, He was given power to give breath to the image of the beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or the number of his name. In the last days, the governments of this world are going to unite with apostate churches, religious powers, and they're going to enforce religious laws that are anathema to God. When that happens, my friend, it'll be time to stand up and say, I am going to follow Christ. I'm going to follow the word of God, even if it means disobeying the government. Now, when the government is in harmony with God's word, we need to obey the government. But when the government enforces laws that are in violation of the word of God, we need to follow God. Many people believe that we are living in the end times. Haven't people always believed that? Well, some have. It's true. In 1000 AD, Uh, theologians in the Roman Catholic Church taught that the end of the world would probably come in the year 1000 AD. But the Bible gives some rather specific signs. I'm going to come over here to the Apocalypse, Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. It says, the nations were angry. Well, they're angry now, are they not? The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is going to intervene in the history of of humanity when men have the awesome ability to destroy the earth. They didn't have that in a thousand AD. They didn't have that in the days of Jesus. But there are certain specific signs. And one of the most amazing signs is the awful capacity to wipe out humanity. We've come to that time. And there's another sign too, of course, which is Matthew 24, verse 14, which says, this gospel, the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a witness to all nations. Then the end will come. Jesus said that the gospel that he taught, that people despised, they thought it was going to fizz out. But Jesus said the gospel would be taught in the whole wide world and the end would come. Today, 
we are seeing this prophecy being fulfilled around the world. The gospel, the good news of Christ is being taken everywhere around the world by television also. Therefore, we do believe with a passion that the Lord is coming soon. Do you believe in heaven? And if so, what will it be like? You better believe it, and you better believe in it too. Because the death of hope always leads to the hope for death. If you've got no hope in your soul, sooner or later, you're going to want to die. You want to know why so many people commit suicide today? Why suicide has become the badge of our despair? It's because people have lost hope. And people today think that they're no better than ants or dogs or cats or something else. And therefore, they don't believe in heaven anymore. I believe in the reality of heaven. I believe it. Now, I'm going to take a text here and come over here to, uh, let me see, um, John 14 verses 1 down to 3. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. He said, don't, don't worry. Do you worry? Jesus said, quit it. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So it's a place. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come again and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So heaven is going to be a place in the Father's house where Jesus is. Wouldn't you like to meet Jesus, the Son of God? Wouldn't you like to go to the Father's house? I believe the Father's house is outside our time, outside our place, outside our universe. I believe there's a place that is called, as the Bible says, the Father's house. The Bible tells us what it's like in the Father's house. There's no death. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. No cancer. No heartache. None of those things. No bereavement. None of those terrible things. The Father's house is going to be where Jesus is, where the Father is. And we're going to live forever. And the Bible tells me that if you believe this, you don't need to worry. Are you a person who worries? My friend, that's because you don't really have faith in God. Jesus said, don't worry, have faith in me. I'm going to my Father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's going to be heaven and it's going to be wonderful. And the good news is you can be there. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist whose daughter just had an abortion, something that I disapprove of. So what should I do? Well, I think the first thing you ought to do is just give your daughter a hug. I think you need to love her with an unconditional love, like God loves you because you've messed up also. We've all messed up. The Bible says all have sinned, Romans 3, and continue to fall short of the glory of God. So we've all messed up. and We continue to stumble and fall. Your daughter has done something that you disapprove of. I can sense the pain in the letter that you sent to me, my friend. But you can't change 
the past, but you can do something about today and the future. I would love her. I would be kind to her. She needs your support. Put your arms around her and show her the unconditional love that God shows you. Why are there so many atheists? I think one of the reasons is because many atheists have seen bad things that the church has done. That's why communism arose in Russia. I've been to Russia 42 times. I know a bit about communism and atheism. Uh, Atheism is often a reaction against apostate Christianity. But also, atheism is often a cop-out. There's no scientific evidence for atheism. There's a tremendous amount of scientific evidence for the creator God. But remember what Huxley said. He said, I love this idea because I can do anything I want to do, especially with women. I didn't say it. Huxley said it. Darwin's man. Huxley even said, I don't even know what Darwin's talking about. I don't really believe the theory. But he said, I love this idea that releases me from all responsibility. Now listen to me. There is a God. Heard of the anthropic principle? Have you? Well, the anthropic principle tells me that everything in nature, everything exists so that human beings can live and love and laugh. The anthropic principle discovered relatively recently is tremendous evidence for God. And when you go and read the Bible, we're told about this God. He's a good person. He loves you with a tremendous love. My friend, that's just plain talk. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night, watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, how can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world? Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of the, of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church, but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ, he preached the Bible, and he preached out of doors and indoors, and the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls, the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California. In Australia, write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ 
Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Do you have any secrets for health and happiness? Well, they're not secrets because I share them with anybody who will listen to me. <laughs> um, no, I don't have any secrets, but I have some good news. Let me tell you, I'm no longer just a, a boy. I've seen a lot of summers, but by the grace of God, and I say by the grace of God, I'm still going strong. I've got some energy and I've got some hope in my soul and I've got a vision and I don't believe that God is finished with me quite yet. Secrets, no secrets, but let me tell you some truths that I've come to believe in. Here's the first one. If you believe in God and trust in Christ and read the Bible, you'll have Peace of mind. A lot of people are worried to death. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You talk to them and just talking to them makes you depressed. You've met people like that. But if you have got faith in God, you'll have peace. That's a great reason why you ought to go to church. That's a great reason why you ought to be reading your Bible every day. The reason we don't read our Bibles is because by nature we're lazy. But if we can overcome our laziness and become disciples and read scripture, we'll get peace in our souls. That helps us to live long. People who go to church, people who read their Bibles, people who've got faith in God live longer than the average person. Here's another truth. Eat well. <laughs> I try to follow the diet that is prescribed in the book of Genesis, fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, all that sort of stuff. Do I eat meat? No, I don't criticize anybody who eats that red stuff. I don't eat it because I think it is a formidable cause of cancer. And I would say if you want to be healthy, don't eat uh, the the. MAD, don't eat MAD. You know what MAD is? That's the modern American diet. It's bad. All those refined pastas, they'll kill you. All those refined foods. Some people say, look, I'm a vegetarian. And they just fill up on sugar. They just fill up, fill up on sugar. You can be a vegetarian and be as sick as sick can be because you're eating refined carbohydrates. Cut them out, friend. Uh, eat, try to eat unrefined food and something else. Do some exercise. People in Bible days used to walk for miles. I've got an elliptical. I do it religiously for 30 minutes every day. And then every evening I go for a couple of miles walk. But I try to exercise hard for 60 minutes a day. Now, there are some days I don't make it, but if I miss out one day, I'll double it up the next day. Jesus said, and this is so important, and I think it's John chapter 10, he said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you to be healthy. 
and he wants you to be happy. Is it wrong to practice cremation that is sometimes associated with pagan religions? I don't think so. You see, uh, as my wife said to my dear old dad, uh, a few years before he passed away, we were visiting the little town of Esk in South Queensland, sort of on the outer Baku where the preachers are few, and men are religion are scanty. Well, in the little town of Esk, there's a cemetery. And we went to my grandfather's tomb. And my father was there with Beverly and me. And my dear old dad, knowing that he couldn't live forever, he said, I guess we've all got to come to that place. You do, friend. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes soon. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. So there's death and there's judgment. And so he said, I guess we're all going to come to this place. And uh, Beverly said to him, uh, it's true, Dad. We've all, all got to come to this place. We've all got to go, to go down. But she said, it doesn't matter how we go down. It matters how we come up. So it doesn't matter whether you're buried or whether you are cremated. That doesn't make any difference to God. Goodness me. We don't have a petty little God, you know. He's a big God. Look at this text here in Revelation 20. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. How many people are left after the fishes have eaten them? Nothing much left. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. So the Bible tells me in the last day, even the sea is going to give back the dead. People have been buried in the tomb. The mossy old tombs where the pilgrims sleep shall be opened as wide as before. And the millions asleep in the mighty deep shall live on this earth once more. And people who were cremated, they're going to come back too. Cremation simply speeds up the process. It doesn't matter how you go down, it matters how you come up. Because you are immortalized in the mind of God. So my friend, you and I better believe in Jesus. Because without Jesus, we're finished. But with Jesus, we've got everlasting life. Who was Jesus? Well, I guess you better ask Richard Dawkins, the famous uh, professor from Oxford University who delights in making fun of Christians. Uh, he, you know, he's a great atheist. But he said the other day on, on a television show when he was debating the great Christian professor John Lennox of Oxford University, he said, I said Jesus didn't exist. I was wrong. Jesus did live. Who was Jesus? He was a Jewish man, a carpenter, who was born in 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 BC. The Bible says he was more than a Jewish man. I'm going to come to a text here, and my mind is trying to remember where the text is. Here it is. It's Isaiah, and I believe it is chapter 9. Yeah, the old memory's still working, folks. Isaiah 9, verses 
6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is Jesus? The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world. What has been your most dangerous experience? Well, Beverly and I have had a few dangerous experiences. We've had a few. Um, I remember when Beverly and I were in Siberia, in the city of Irkutsk, a man came to the meeting with a gun to shoot me. Uh, he got drunk, and he belonged to their security forces, uh, like one of their top soldiers. And Beverly was giving a talk, and... Uh, he tried to get on the stage because I was sitting behind her. He was coming after me. But my friends got around him, pulled him down. Uh, the police came to see me the next day. They were going to put him in prison for the rest of his life. I said, forgive him. Just forgive him. I said, what's, what, what, what are you talking about? I said, forgive him because Jesus has forgiven us. And they said, well, what message will we give him? Have him come to the meetings. He came to the meetings gave his life to Christ. That could have been a very dangerous meeting uh, and a very dangerous uh, event in my life and Beverly's life. Perhaps another very dangerous situation was when we were in Africa and one night I was taken by some people and marched down a, a jungle road with guns at my back and a man followed along in a car, cursing me because I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to engage in uh, activities in that country in Africa that I felt I could not do. And so he told the soldiers, get rid of this fellow. They marched me down this jungle path and I can feel the guns in my back. That was quite a story. But when this man had gone, these soldiers got around me and they said, Pastor Carter, don't worry, we know you. <laughs> We've been coming to your meetings. But for the grace of God, though, I could have been killed in that African jungle. But I want you folks to know something today. Listen to me. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And if God sends you to Africa or to Siberia or to Los Angeles, God will take care of you. I want you please to write to me. You can send your questions to me and I will try to get to your question. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Write for our Ebenezer magazine while we've still got a few left. So write to me. Post Office Box 1900 in Australia, write to me at Terrigal. That's in New South Wales. And ask for the Ebenezer magazine. Send me your question, but do something else. Support the sacred cause of evangelism. Send an offering. It goes to preach the gospel and to save souls. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come as a tourist, Jesus came to save our souls. 
And I want you to know this. God loves you. I love you too. And until next time, God bless you, my dear friend. Bye. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.